Welcome everybody to the cast from the coast. My name is Adam Miles and I'm joined as always by Josh Lambert and Tim Johnson. Unfortunately, Aaron Paris couldn't be here with us tonight, but we wish him the best and we will see him next time. Tim, what are we talking about tonight? We are going to continue our discussion on the Netflix original series, part two of the trilogy, Fear Street, part two, 1978. Stay tuned, everybody. Tim, give us the synopsis of this movie. All right. Shady Side, 1978. School is out for summer. And the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But then, when another Shady Sider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a, a gruesome vibe. All right. So, so let's face a very, very obvious fact here first the trailer for this never really dropped it was only ever really little bits and hints of 94 what do we get the trailer for 1978 and it's fucking glorious the trailer because it's a throwback to all this yeah yeah full mast buddy full mast watching that trailer it is a throwback to it is a throwback to all of the summer camp slashers that we know and love the friday 13th the sleepaway camps all that good stuff and the soundtrack continues the wonderful vibe of of the time period even though it's probably in the same vein of what we've seen in 1994 where i'm gonna give it, it, it i'm just gonna say this right <laughs> off the bat they followed literally the same formula where it was, let's get as much 70s music as possible with every cut. With it. I and loved it's, it. And it's all at the start of the movie. And then, like, at the end of the movie is maybe one song. But, like, at the start, there's, like, 15 songs right off the bat. Do, 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 I, do, like do. I got a short attention span. That's the way to do it. I like so it. So that, uh, that was definitely Josh's, uh, Josh's favorite part of this was the, uh, that had to have been the soundtrack then. Yeah. Well, I mean my favorite part but it was nice it's totally your favorite part then your attention span just allowed <laughs> it it was really nice <laughs> so what we have is we have the completion of 1994 where the, the 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 teenagers basically end up at the house of a very special individual who's going to tell them the story of what happened to them in fact that they followed the same situation that sam had where they thought that everything was over because <clears throat> they had fought the evil themselves and uh, and they, they they tell the story of how they overcame it, so to speak. But now that the evil's back, maybe there's something that they can learn from history that might tell them what they can do to actually overcome what uh, what's coming for them. So starts off with the whole scenario kind of ending directly where ninety four kicks off or uh, kicked off uh, or sorry left off. So it kicks off where it left off. And we get, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking that one around, aren't I? And um, <laughs> so we get them tie up Sam in the bathroom. Uh, she's tied up to like a, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? They're a radiator. And they hear the tale of Camp Nightwing in 1978. And it's interesting because this brings to us a lot more characters that will eventually play a little bit more of a story. And it, it, uh, it shows us some of the characters that we've already seen, but in a younger and a different vein, such as Sheriff Good. He appears as a character as mm -hmm. a young kid. Uh, you know, many of these these characters, uh, kind of like there's there's ties to them in this movie. Um, 
what we have is just basically, like I said, um, a, a telling of yet another point in time in the curse of Shady Side, in which a murder spree occurred, uh, and it was all come down to what people had assumed to be the witch, Seraphir. Well, the biggest thing is it's it's the origin story of the camp slasher in the first one. Yes. It's a bag on his head. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, Nightwing himself, the uh the, the, the axe murderer that has like the uh, uh burlap burlap sack, sack on, his head. on his head. It was actually that was actually one of my favorite scenes in this one when we get to it is how he got the burlap sack, got the sack uh mask. It. it was kind yeah. of dope because it was almost like he didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It just that was what happens. All right, so characters that are in this, obviously we can start off with the, um, well, we got obviously Good himself, which appears at one point in the movie. And it's kind of funny because they kind of hid his identity for a large part of this, if you realize. They, 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 they kind of hid who he actually was or who he would become. And then eventually he introduces himself. Right, right. right. That, that's the way that they kind of brought that in. He's like, you know, you know, I'm Will Good. Well, it's, it said fairly often about his dad being the police chief, didn't it? It did, but if you didn't put two and two together, I mean, how would you know necessarily the police chief's son, you know, turns into the police chief or whatever have you, right? It's 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 one of those things where there could have been another tie of some kind, right? But uh, that that was right. that was interesting the way that they did. Um, so we have uh, Sam. Uh, is 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 once again. Not in the 1978 time period. She's uh, she's she's in there. We got D. We got her uh, her brother. Uh, they all return in their in their own aspects here. Um, Let's talk about the new ones. I'm tired. Okay, of okay, fine. Jump in. Jump ones. in. What do you what? Ziggy Berman. Ziggy Berman. So Ziggy Berman being basically the main actress in this. She's little myth. Yeah, the girl from Stranger Things. Yeah. But to be fair, she shared the she shared the spotlight with her sister, um, Cindy, um, and I like how they were both atypical final girls, but the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Cindy was very much like a cheerleader type. Uh, that was Nancy from yeah, like Nancy from Friday or um, Nightmare mm -hmm. on Elm Street, and like Ziggy was. I don't know. Like I just, I, I, I really like, but they're sisters, right? Well, and, and that's, I mean, a sibling scenario to that, right. You know, where you have entire opposite ends of the spectrum in this case. So you've got, you know, Ziggy, right. that's kind of the underdog she's picked on. And you got Cindy who might've had that kind of a history in schools, but has reinvented herself, so to speak. And is trying to be somebody who Ziggy says she's not. And it, it, it plays on their relationship and it, it, it adds a little bit of a dynamic to the situation too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead. You gonna say something? Oh, I was just, uh, just going to say, and and we got we got Tommy, <laughs> who is Cindy's boyfriend, Tommy Slater, who's got like a mean fucking like part in the middle, mean part in the middle. Like you could set your clock to that. <laughs> like, it's just this this fucking like white line going down his head, it's just a hard fucking. That was. Uh... That was right. an interesting one, yeah. The fucking arches, right? McDonald's arches. But uh, uh, he started like the atypical like camp counselor boyfriend, then became kind of badass mm -hmm. and kind of scary. And, and then even more scary <laughs> when, when shit really starts to happen. Because this one felt a lot more adult. I don't know if you guys felt that. Yeah, it there felt was a lot less gay yeah, than the first one. Absolutely, and I, I I feel like it was more more aligned with something that would have came out in '78. Like yeah. you know, the sex aspect was you know more relevant to this. You know what I mean? Like mm. you know, couples having sex at a camp and yeah, and, it's a camp classic, right? So absolutely, there was that. But I mean, you know, even I found how like a lot of the the people talk to each other was yeah. a little bit more adult they were dropping a little bit more swearing they've more they swearing. was cursing a little bit s'mores 
<laughs> yeah, but you're you're right about you're right about the sexual content. That was that was actually it was interesting because that was in the trailer was like a hint of that. But when it actually fucking appeared on scene, it almost kind of jolted me for a second because it was like the loud music and all of a sudden just the fucking raw dog and sex and I'm like, "Oh, here we go. This is the scene that was in the trailer." <laughs> and they turned they turned out to be some good comic relief in the movie too, right? So I mean, you had your I mean, kind of like, kind of like what happens eventually in the third one. And there's some stuff in the first one, right? You got, you got, I don't remember what her, her boyfriend, but I remember her name was Alice. Uh, shit. You're right. Remember what his name? I can't remember. Kurt. Kurt. Maybe Kurt. Or was it Arnie? Was it, that, was that not. Arnie? Actually, I think that was Arnie, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Arnie. Yeah. yeah. It was Arnie. So it was kind of funny because here they are two little dope fiends, two little druggies. Uh, you know, and, uh, basically just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the little literal epitome of eighties, you know, teen culture, so to speak, according to the movies. Right. So, and they, they know that the, they know that Ziggy and, and, and them have a relationship with the nurse and they're like, you guys have access to like the nurse's quarters. Like we're looking for some pills, man. Like, and it's all the drugs, all the drugs, yellow jackets and all. (laughs) right they're going on about it it was just it was it was fucking hilarious it was just watching these two so it was kind of it was kind of interesting because the story played out atypically in that way like a very much so slasher because when i'm looking at it i'm like okay these guys are fodder right they're the sex drugs and rock and roll people who are going to end up literally at the other end of an axe and you know it doesn't it doesn't fail in that manner by any means so the nurse's daughter is the girl from the first one, right? Like With the, the knives. Yeah. Uh, Ru- Ruby Lane. Ruby Lane, yeah. yeah. So that's the nurse's mm-hmm. daughter. Which which right. plays which plays nicely into like the third one as well with when when we get the which we'll talk about next week but but it's 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 cool to see that all the stories kind of intertwine in one way or another because in the first one you get introduced to Ruby Lane. And then when you go back to 1978, you get introduced to Ruby Lane's mother and the effect that this had had on her. And you see the continuing effect of the cursed situation and, and the murders and everything else in different ways. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see that she, she went crazy the way that she did. Did she go crazy or did she get possessed? I feel like she went crazy. The, the nurse herself? She went crazy. Yeah. Oh, she just, she just, she went, she popped. That's all there was to that. It was just, and, and that's why there's, there's that touching scene later on. So, but, um, Josh, I think it's about time that we hear a little bit from Josh regarding how he feels about the movie. Josh's newts. Newts. The old fake newts. Uh, my first viewing of Fear Street 1978 took place July 28, 2021 at 6.47 p.m. Uh, first off, meted with a rated R uh, rating. So hoping to see a few solid scares here, maybe up in the ante a little bit. Uh, was the first one rated R as well, or was it PG-13? Yep. No, it was rated, was it rated R. R? Yep. Some, some curses. Uh, right off, we start with microwave mac and cheese and Jim Bean whiskey for breakfast. Uh, this is the most laziest way to say that this person is a wreck. <laughs> like, if you have to write a character that's like a cookie-cutter fucking mental wreck, you, you have them eating microwave TV dinner and a bottle of whiskey. Yes, sir. Uh, what's up with all the clocks? Does it explain the clocks? Did I miss that? Is it described later in the third one, maybe? Um... I didn't really get an under a full understanding of the clocks, other than maybe she just kind of went a little bit OCD because she starts doing some really weird OCD type things when she's like locking up the house. She's like touching things a certain amount of time. She's clicking locks multiple times. It's almost like she has like she she's she's kind of got like some anxiety and OCD and and you know. Well, that that you would if you're being chased by the witch, I guess. That's that's it, right? So at this point, I didn't realize. As, so it's still taking place in the 90s at this point, And I was kind of disappointed. I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for at all. And then it went into like the storytelling element. I was like, oh, okay. 
classic camp horror, shaping up to be a good sequel. Uh, the old camp banging, rock and roll and weed. We definitely have a more adult film this time around. Uh, Cindy saying shit when she breaks the sponge in half felt very real. It was I don't know how many takes it took for that, but when she drops the shit after like building her up to be the preppy girl that doesn't swear, mm-hmm. it was funny. Uh, the first cut is the deepest, playing as Nurse Lane starts stabbing people. Excellent choice. It was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Uh, don't fear the Reaper soundtrack. The soundtrack just keeps hitting for me. I know you guys think it's overkill, but I liked it. Uh, he might be dumb, but he's kind of shagadelic. Quote. <laughs> All right. It's not horrible if it's true. Quote. I don't think that's really accurate. It's not horrible if it's true. I can think of a lot of things that happen that are true that are pretty horrible. I think he was just really referring to the context of what was said at the time. He, you know, but whatever. So this movie almost feels like like a music video for a mixtape. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yep. Uh... You never read from creepy demonic books aloud. That's like rule number one from horror movies. These people did not learn their their lessons at all. Uh, The Carrie references and Stephen King references, pretty cool. Tommy has gone on full slasher. Uh, The match drop kill. So when they got everything lit up and she does the match drop, very good. Mm Unfortunately, nothing really revolutionary with the kills. Like, we don't have a bread slicer in this movie. No. It's, it's very cookie-cutter, hack-and-slash, which is fine. It's just, I like there to be a, usually at least one revolutionary kill that you can set aside. Okay, this is the iconic kill from that movie that no other film will ever have. Especially because you mentioned the bread slicer from the first one, which we all admitted when that right. happened, we all went, yeah, like, fucking right. Yeah, for sure. You're probably never going to see another film where someone's head gets crushed in a uh, bread slicer or they get drowned in a lobster tank. Like, that is a unique kill. Uh, Carry On My Wayward Son. So another uh, good soundtrack hit. Uh, very shining with the entrance with the, the axe coming through the door and reaching in to grab the knob. Like, that's straight scene for scene out of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, very solid... Uh, origin story for the sack over his uh, Nightwing's yeah, head. That was dope. Uh, uh, the fake-out meaningful sister reunion, but we all know that one of them has to die. Uh, uh, wait, what? They can't both die. <laughs> and then I wrote, who knew CPR would work on axe wounds? Hmm. And those are my notes. Well, let's make this clear. CPR didn't work on axe wounds. She got stabbed with a knife. Oh, I thought she got hit with the axe. No, Ziggy Ziggy got stabbed. The other one got the axe. Cindy yeah, Cindy, Cindy got the axe. Cindy got Because she got it, like, to the chest and then the face. And, like, Zig, okay. Ziggy basically got well, stabbed in the gut a couple of times and, like, once in the shoulder. CPR and... doesn't work on knife wounds, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's the point he's trying to make. Well, make your fucking point next time. Better. Anyways, I... <laughs> I did enjoy it more than part one. Ooh. I don't know if you guys did. Uh, I loved the background on the camp slasher. It was obviously an homage to Sleepaway Camp and Friday. Like the whole movie was just very late seventies, early eighties slasher film. No, absolutely, absolutely. No, you, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, this movie did pay homage to like the greats, obviously. Like I'd mentioned, and like you'd mentioned, Friday Thirteenth, Sleepaway Camp. Hell, this movie even had some of the some some elements of paying homage to like meatballs, you know the the com- the competitive yeah. nature yeah. because meatballs had to do with the the camps that were competing, but it's uh, this movie was it was throwing into the mix the the Sunnyvale versus Shady Side, you know uh, a toss up that always happens obviously is happening to this day color the color wars, wars appears. And I got I got like a pure Bill Murray meatballs vibe from that one because I was like, yeah, they're gonna be in full competition. And it just so happens yeah. that during the night of the competition, people expecting running around and screaming and shit to be happening, you know, 
there's actually murders good going on. Good for time murder. for murders to be happening too, right? So, absolutely, it's good time. Good time for it murders. Is good time. Let's talk about those. Let's murders. Talk about that effects work and those murders, Tim. Mm, what, why don't yeah. you start? Why don't you talk to us? Ultra. Um, I felt like a lot, like Josh said, a lot of the kills were were tame. Um, yeah. They were still good, but they weren't. They weren't a fucking bread slicer to a, the head. Like it wasn't that. Mm. Um, but the thing that I felt this movie had, even though a lot of the kills were kind of, you know, by the book, was all the kids that got killed. Yeah, like they don't do that normally. Like in. Like, if you look at, like, some of the the older movies, like, okay, so Friday the 13th. Well, yeah, that's because you got 30-year-olds running around pretending they're 16 and Friday. <laughs> well, we still do in this one, too. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of them that are, like, almost 30. Anyways, the difference was, is normally in Friday, that he's killing the counselors, right? Yeah. The counselors are getting killed. The kids are safe. Yeah. The kids are usually safe. And, like, you know... <laughs> A lot of these camp movies, like, the kids are usually safe, but, like, he was killing the kids. Like, when he came in and killed the, the fat guy with the glasses, I felt really yeah, bad. Poor kid. Yeah. He was all set up to survive. He had he had the bad guys, like the air souls, and they were, they were, like, his prisoners. He was like, yeah. So I was all waiting for him to leave, and then the prisoners get killed. Nope. Got the, best, the best was when that girl goes, fuck off, nerd. I went. But, um, yeah, I don't really remember a lot of the kills. Like, I, I feel like they were just a lot generic. Like, not saying that they were badly done. But, like, you know, he's he's Tommy. Spoilers, everybody. Mm -hmm. Tommy is literally just killing people with an axe. Um, yeah. No, it, no. And But, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, talking about the kills, like you are, it's... There's nothing that stands out except for the emphasis that they put on the two sisters at the end. That was that was like yeah. the most. And even that wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because the emphasis that they put on the two sisters at the end and their deaths was the most important of the movie, and it wasn't just Nightwing. It was Nightwing murders one, and the fucking milkman murderer mil, uh, murders the other one. You know what I mean, Mister Michael Myers looking motherfucker. <laughs> The, the 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 biggest thing that I took away from that was oh shit they're both getting killed you yeah. know what I mean like I thought one of them survived right mm. so. but there wasn't anything special even about then it was literally just a couple of axe swings and a couple of knife you know plunges and it, nothing about that was extremely special and you're right it's it's almost like they just performed the killings to to move the story. They had to present the fact that Nightwing did the murders. Yeah, but any horror movie, there's a group of people sitting around a table where they discuss the kills. Like, that's the writing process mm -hmm. for a slasher. You have to design the unique kills. You have to set yourself apart. Yep. And for whatever reason, they just didn't. They they, they, they definitely missed the point on the, on the kills themselves with this one because... Frankly, I don't remember half of them. I don't remember no, over half of them. Just... Now the effects work. I do know. I remember sitting there watching them going, just like in the first one. It's not like they pulled a lot of punches when it came to the visuals. So when somebody got an axe, they got an axe, and it was it was a pretty good scene. It was just not like I just seen this five times. Just, it was just, yeah, it was, I've seen, a, I've lot seen a lot of axe kills, kills now. Um, there was nothing overly special about it, but it was clean looking. It looked good when it was on scene. Um, it was interesting to see the, the actual camera work and the editing and the slow motion effects of, of the two sisters being murdered at the end, especially now that they got the two killers after them type of situation. But I mean, I was, I was, to be honest, when it comes to effects work in this movie, um, I'm going to include not just effects work, but I'm going to say that the overall effort that they put into wardrobe, uh, scenery, you know, including the actual, you know, like getting the props work done that would be used with the actual effect or, you know, uh, effects work and, and the killings and shit. That was a one. 
making period pieces where they said this is 1978 they fucking convinced me that this was 1978 there's yeah, no doubt about I think that this one did a lot better job at conveying the 70s and the first one did of conveying the 90s the first one could have taken place in 2021 yeah and i mean that especially this one there's no there's no question that it took place in the late 70s yeah and and i mean that really especially comes down to the fact that and we said this before uh the first one even though it was 1994 seemed a lot <laughs> like the 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 actual you know words used by the actors the, the 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 character dialogue itself seemed a little too 2012 2021 time period like it really seems like my son could have written that fucking dialogue <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it was good uh, you know to a point but it took you out of it in sometimes when they said certain things did some certain things i didn't think it was that prevalent in this one it was still weird. There was still a couple of things that kind of went, okay. I don't know if that was a thing then, but you know, just, just the way that they phrase things, but it, it overall, I think that they did a better job with this one. So when I, like I said, when I, when I say effects work in this case, I'm just going to, because nothing was stupid, memorable about the kills and the blood in this one, I'm going to include the entire effort that they did on visual artistry in this movie. And I think it was pretty good overall that way. Yeah, it definitely felt like it was taking place when it was supposed to be taking place. Like it didn't, yeah. there was nothing jarring. I mean, you know, a lot of the background props that they had, like, you know, cassette players and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, even, even down to some of the things that they were talking about, like, you know, did you guys read that new Stephen King book? Cause I heard it's supposed to be pretty good. Like, yeah. okay, that's nice little reference, right? Like, so, um, they definitely did their homework, especially in a um, aesthetic point of view. Um, yeah, it felt like a camp in 1978. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it just sucks, you know. This is the the effects section. I wish we could talk about effects, um, you know. And I'm sure, you know, to be fair, there were effects work done. It's just, you know, I felt like a lot of a lot of Tommy slash Nightwing's most vicious kills were off camera. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see, you see in the aftermath when they had the bodies lined up at the end, but it was like, did I really see that many kills happen on screen? I'm pretty sure I didn't. Mm, okay. All right. So effects were kind of, <laughs> I love it. Did you think... <laughs> Pulling in the coffee. You see everybody, that's what Patreon's for. That's that's one of our patrons handing Tim coffee. <laughs> All right. How they got the address to my house. I don't, I don't know. How they're here. I'll figure that one out later. Um, all right. So with that being said, we have a very, very, very special segment that we need to roll into, folks. This segment is the trivia with him. Yeah. We gotta get you know what? We need to we me and Adam were discussing this. We need to get like little like soundboard. No, like fucking like like how like uh, on you know, you watch like late night TV like Conan O'Brien and like he'd be going to a segment and it'd be the little segment opener of like some piece of animation that slides yeah. in, right? That you could just Adam play it. Yelling. Or like even like on the radio or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that. I, we're gonna look into doing that. Uh, have segment. You know what time it is, and I hit a button, and all of a sudden, trivia time with Tim. And it's like a picture of me with like you know like a quiz hat on and like. Trivia. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Okay, so I promised you guys this week that I was actually gonna insert a fake piece of trivia, and I have followed through. It's not anything over the top. It's not like, you know, the director showed up on set, you know, riding a, a, a majestic steed, holding a sword. You know what I mean? It's nothing like that. It'd be awesome. Nothing. So I, it would be awesome. So right. let us begin. Although this is the second film in the Fear Street trilogy, it was actually the last to be filmed for some reason because they filmed part one then part three and then part two maybe because part one and part two or part one 
and part three connect with the. Well, I, I, can, I can see that. We can talk about that next week. Because Josh, yeah, Josh hasn't seen him yet. Okay. Camp Nightwing is a reference to the setting of the Fear Street books, light, or book, Lights Out, although the plots are completely different. Uh, this I find is dope. These next couple ones. Camp Rutledge stands in for Camp Nightwing and was the major filming location used for not only Little Darlings from 1980, but Little Darling. Oh, wait, I've read that all wrong. Uh, both Fear Street 1978 and Little Darlings have scenes that were filmed at Camp Daniel Morgan, where Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, was filmed. It's a very long-winded, whoever wrote that, and it wasn't me. It's, it's, it's I crazy. smell bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a real dickhead. Yeah, it wasn't me. I swear. <laughs> uh, like Alice, Tommy is a name for a surviving character from Friday the 13th uh, series. This film also copies many of the locations in the series. And to round it out, there's one final little piece of Friday trivia that I knew going into this there was going to be one. I mean, that'd be stupid. But hidden in the background in one of the main rooms of Camp Nightwing is a reference to Friday the 13th, Part 6, with a Jason hockey mask hanging on the wall. Which is, I think, would be pretty pretty uh, standard. When Ziggy is roped to a tree by bullies, one girl calls her a witch, like Sarah Fear. The witch, believed to have cursed Shadyside. The girl then says Seraphir is still alive and wouldn't be burned instead of hanging her. In the original Fear Street book series, it is suggested the town uh, hunted partly two innocent women killed for witchcraft 100 years ago. Unlike Seraphir, they were both burned. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just having trouble reading tonight. C. Berman's dog is named Major Tom, an obvious reference to the song Space Oddity by David Bowie. The first time this name is referenced is on a label, while Nirvana's cover of David Bowie's 1970 song, The Man Who S Sold the World, is playing. The drug known as L484 in the film is really acetaminophen. Tylenol. Used to control pain and reduce fever. I like when he comes to that conclusion later on in the movie. Actually, he's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. what it was. Tylenol. I knew I remembered that. Some druggie you are. Uh, the character's name, Ziggy Berman, is a reference to Ziggy Stardust, which David Bowie's stage persona from 1974 to 1970, or 1972 to 1973. The cassette player featured in the film is a Hitachi TRQ-225. Uh, the Velvet Underground song Sweet Jane is heard on the soundtrack. Cowboy Junkies cover can be heard in Fear, Fear Street 1994 soundtrack. At one point, Nick says Stephen King's new one is supposed to be good. Referring to The Shining, first published in 1977. The famous scene from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is reenacted when Tommy is chopping at the door with an axe. Yep. Josh picked up on that. The first name of C. Berman isn't initially revealed in order to trick the audience into thinking that she is the older sister, Cindy. However, her dog is named Major Tom, a clue that is actually older than Cindy's sister. Uh, Christine Ziggy Berman. Uh, Major Tom is a reference to David Bowie, Space Oddity, Space Oddity. The nickname Ziggy is a reference to Ziggy Stardust. It just made sense. That's what they're saying, even though I read both of those separately in other pieces of trivia. Even though they play the same character at different ages, Jillian Jacobs and Sadie Sink never met until the premiere. Ziggy seems surprised that Nick has read Carrie, the book written by Stephen King in 1974. The film adaptation hit theaters just two years later in November of 1976, and was screaming uh, a screaming success. Nick, not knowing the pig's blood reference, would have been more shocking. 
And finally, the dead serial killers that are rec- resurrected to stop Ziggy and Sydney. One of them bears a striking, striking resemblance to Michael Myers from Halloween 1978. And that has been Trivia Time with Tim. Can you repeat the second line of trivia for me? No, because he wrote it. <laughs> he ran it off the cuff, so he can't. Uh, the second or the third one. I don't. I can't remember what the first couple ones were. Uh, the, the sec- well, the second one, Camp Night Ring, is a re- reference to First Street Books, Lights Out, although the plots yeah. were completely different. And then the third one was Camp Rutledge stands in for Camp Night Wing and was a major filming location for Little Darlings. Both Fear Street 1978 and Little Darlings have a scene which was filmed at Camp Daniel Logan, where right. Friday the 13th, Friday 13th, Part 6 was filmed. Hmm. Okay, I have I have an idea. As to what it might be. If, uh, if I have to guess, I'm going to say the one that the two didn't meet until the premiere. That's the only one that strikes me as potentially not true. If I remember correctly, the hockey mask that's on the wall is not a reference to part six. I think it's a standardized hockey mask, like the one that was on the cover of A New Beginning. It's like more of a goalie goalie mask. To be fair, to be fair... Because I thought that too when I read it. To be fair, I think they just did the whole reference to part six because earlier trivia also said it was part six that was filmed there. But you're right. It is that the one with the bigger holes. Yeah. I think it's just a reference to Jason. That that's what I'm thinking. So that's what okay. I took. So, so you're saying you're right. saying that the that 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 you agree with me? So the actual trivia piece is wrong on their behalf. You didn't write that wrong. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Correct. Because because that's what I was thinking. I was like, Tim's fucking with me here. Cause, <laughs> no, because I I read it. I read it, and I'm like, uh. Yeah, because it didn't look like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looked more like the the white one with the large holes on it. I, yeah, I I took it I took it as is just a reference to yeah, it's just a reason. Mm, okay. All right. Um. Well, that's what I had. I mean, I was actually kind of right, <laughs> but um, not in terms of Tim fucking with our minds. Um, I'm i'm gonna have to throw one into the dark here I'm, I'm gonna have to say something along the lines of maybe what josh said you know what i'm, I'm gonna go with what josh said because no, pick a different one we gotta hedge our oh, bets we gotta hedge our bets <laughs> okay fine i'm not confident in mine today i'm off my game i'm gonna say i'm gonna say okay then i'm gonna say that little darlings did not film at rutledge just the other one are, are, is that your That's final, gonna be answer? My final answer? Because I'm, I watched Little Darlings a very long time ago, and I remember hearing something about Friday Thirteenth Part Six and and Rud or and and Little Darlings and their filming locations. But I thought it was only one that they had filmed it at that was similar. Not two. he was stumbling well, over his words so much I couldn't even get a read on him. So okay, that, that's what I'm gonna stick with. So Tim, please tell us who is right, who is wrong, who is who is bullshitting, who is what. Did you well, get us? I, I did a double fuck on you, Adam, because oh, you were originally right. Bastard. <laughs> you were originally right. And I specifically said whoever wrote that, I think meant this. Because I wrote this like last week. I take this as so, a win. I fucking won. I fucking no, won it. I'll get, you know what? I will give you I will give you the W. Thank you. But no, Josh, you were absolutely, utterly, disgustingly wrong. Oh! <laughs> So, so technically, Adam's visual prowess from this movie won. But Adam, to be fair, you, it, it's not a a a a fully earned win because I asked you, is that your final answer? Uh, he sniffed out that blog, and you... he did he did? But that's my my bad because how it should have read, and I realized this as I was reading it. This is how it should have read. Hidden in the background of one of the main rooms of Camp Nightwing is a reference to the Friday the 13th series with a Jason-style hockey mask hanging on the wall. Yeah, that, that... So what that, you're saying is there is no mask. There's no mask. But I whatsoever. thought I seen something hanging on the wall. I thought nope. it was an actual mask. There could, could have, have been. been. Obviously, it's a, it's a camp, but... Yeah, okay. 
I don't remember one, and I I I wrote. All right, cool. So it's a part a part win, but really to Tim, it's a huge win because John. <laughs> as long as Tim's happy, that's all that there is. All right, gentlemen, it is time for us to give our final review of this movie and give it a rating. And tonight we are going to start with Josh. Please go ahead, buddy. I like this one. I like this one more than the first one. I like this one equally to the majority of 70s slashers. I could I could slip this in with a, a weekend of Fridays or a weekend of uh, sleepaway camps. Um, it wouldn't upset me. Uh, I think it did a good job of upping the ante where it needed to. Uh, my biggest gripe is the kills. Uh, there, there's nothing unique to the film. I, I usually like to have in my, my mind... Uh, when I think of a film, even the shittiest of films usually have at least one solid, unique kill. Uh, so that that would be my biggest gripe with this one. Uh, overall, I'm going to rate it an R. Uh, I recommend, and I, I think it's a rightfully deserved R. I think this one uh, did what a sequel is supposed to do and did a really good job of uh, giving the origin story for the camp slasher Nightwing. Nicely put. Nicely put. So last week you represented the first one with a PG. So this week you give up the ante, it's an R, so this one exceeds. This is the Empire Strikes Back of the series, as it were, for Josh's opinion. And uh, that's good. Tim, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel opposite than Josh. Um, really? Yeah. Um, I, I was really, really excited for this one. Uh, probably more so than I was for the original. Um, as much as I love that era of horror... 94 um with scream and stuff like that um i felt like all 90s movies the horror movies all kind of fit the same mold Mm. right like i know what you did last summer all the scream movie like they all kind of felt the same right so i mean and that's fine um you know horror usually comes with waves of trends so um when i found out the second part was taking place in 1978 at a camp, I got really excited because that's my bread and butter boys. I it's love in that, that sweet shit, spot right? right there. Right. That sweet spot of horror. I love it. And one of my biggest gripes with 94 was that I felt like a lot of the dialogue, it didn't feel authentic. And that trend continues with this one where it didn't feel authentic to me. Um, all the set dressings, all the wardrobe, the, the aesthetic, was it felt like it was a movie made in 1978 like uh, look wise um you know even the song choices as annoying as i feel that you know how they they're they're doing their soundtracks um they at least picked great songs and they picked great songs with the first one too um so they definitely you know had that going for it um my biggest my biggest complaint uh, besides some of the authenticity um is that the kills sucked. The kills sucked. And you got the epitome of a slasher in a movie that's a tribute to 1978 slasher movies. And you're not going to really do anything with it? Like, especially after the glorious kill that they gave us in part one? Um, I was really disappointed with that. Um, But I felt that Tommy even without the mask was intimidating as fuck running around that camp. Right. And, um, that's great because when he was just Tommy, he was not intimidating and I was kind of intimidated. Like, you know, I, I mentioned about the, the fat kid with the glasses when he turns around and sees Tommy in the door and he's like, Tommy, Tommy. And he just walks at him with the, I was like, what? Right. Um, this, this movie wasn't bad. I definitely enjoyed, uh, the large majority of it. Maybe I held this one to a higher standard just because of the the the, the subject matter. Um, it's definitely watchable. It's definitely a a movie I I would recommend. Unfortunately, that's not the rating I'm going to give it. I am going to give it a PG because I was pretty disappointed um, with you know the expectations I had for it. Like you know the sequel is supposed to be bigger and more and. You know, not taking anything away from the acting. I thought the acting was great. I thought, you know, 
Um, again, this the aesthetic. Uh, they definitely felt like it was the seventies, but I don't know. I just I really wanted more. I really wanted more. I wanted to be blown away, and I wasn't. So, you know, shame on you, Fear Street Part Two, nineteen seventy eight. You're getting a fucking PG. That's fairly interesting. That is that is interesting. So I, I I did honestly feel the opposite. I thought it was a much better film in totality. Says the I, guy who that, prefers yeah. House Two over House One, but we won't get into that. But <laughs> to be, much better but film. I, I I felt like this one and Part One, they they definitely had a recipe that they cooked, yeah. and it yeah. was it, it, like both Part One and Part Two followed the same. Yeah. This happens, then this happens, and then you know montage with this happens, sure. and then this soundtrack. Like it was very by the yeah, book. That's what a series and is supposed to be. It's, I know it's fine, but I'm just saying that, like I don't know. I just I wanted more. I wanted more, and I was disappointed I didn't get it. And I think that's why. I think but you would have liked, I liked it, it if they had a good kill. I liked it. I did like it. Like, I'm not sitting there saying that I was on my phone the whole time. No, I watched it from start to finish. I, I enjoyed it. It's just, I wanted more. I wanted True. more and I didn't mm. get it. Okay. No, that's fair enough. And, and it is kind of interesting to see that the drastic difference in the, in the opinions in this one here, you know, and the, and the, the massive change. So <clears throat> for me, when it comes to this movie, I was absolutely fucking beyond excited when it came to seeing the trailer i literally when i when i seen the trailer after 1994 i fucking called tim and i was like tim you wouldn't fucking believe what the trailer for the sequel to this is you got to watch this yeah and th- you know what <clears throat> i blame you for the pg because you're the one that got i fucking i was the hype monster for this one i was like tim this is gonna be man. fucking amazing fucking hype beast hype beast the hype beast so it it hyped me I, you know, the, the trailer opens and it's Alice Cooper schools out and it fucking slams in on a fucking 1970s summer camp, which was when we, when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was go to a summer camp. I wanted to be at a fucking summer camp. You know what I mean? Because that was like the, that was like the cool shit that you seen in the seventies and the eighties, you know, get away from the family for a month or so. And, and, you know, or a few weeks and, and chill out with friends and have fucking fun. And I love horror movies. And I love summer camp horror movies and slashers. So, you know, thinking about this kind of shit, it's like, it's just a big mixture of everything that I love about summer camps and horror and everything else. And you put that all together and it's fucking awesome sounding and the soundtracks and the actors and everything was great. One thing that this trilogy absolutely gets right from beginning to end. And I don't care what anybody says, the dialogue might be iffy, but the set pieces, the authenticity of how things look to me is there. Right. First one had a very Stranger Things 90s vibe. This one was fucking right out of the 70s. The next one, we'll talk about that later, but that one fucking impressed me in certain ways, too. And and I just I was I was more and more excited for this. And this one, although it didn't quite live up to the effects work when it comes to the kills that the first one did, because that was like fucking awesome. Right. Everything else made up for it in some way to the point where the movie's fairly memorable. I love the, the pranks that they pull on each other. Like when they lock the girl in the, in the shower bathrooms and they fucking dump all the fucking, you know, beetles and, and cockroaches and centipedes and shit on her. It is fucking awesome because it's cruelty to a summer camp joke that they do. Um, the origin of the slasher was cool. The, the fucking mask when she tries to like, cover his face with it and it just fucking envelops his face and that becomes his persona at that point the intro the the reintroduction of the milkman looking michael myers motherfucker you know what i mean like it's that shit was pretty cool to me and to 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 kind of point shit back to 94 and then back to 78 and to 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 rehash on some of that was really kind of cool i enjoyed it a lot am i going to say it's better than 94 Execution was definitely not there to be better than 94, for my opinion. But was it worse than 94? No, I think it was, It was in its own regard, it was probably just as good. So, for all intents and purposes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with an R for this one. This one, it's recommended, because right off the bat, you know, regardless of the, the, the minor issues that I'm finding with this movie, number one was good, number two was good. They, they, they play to the same feelings for when it comes to the horror genre for me. And you know what? Cookie cutter as that might be, 
It's the shit that I watch over and over again. There's a reason I binge the Scream movies once a year. <laughs> you know? It's good. More of the same, please. More of the same, please, because I'm just as happy with it now as I was then. So, we've switched a couple of the ratings. We got Josh with an R and Tim with a PG, vice versa from what it was last Let's week. Let's just say I, I, I hold my standards higher. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I, Adam Like I said... It. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I don't know why I'm defending my 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 You don't my need view. to defend yourself. I know, I, I, I know, but it's just I just want something clear that I did like it. Like I didn't dislike it. Yeah, you just like the first one yeah. more. So so in that regards I think if this thing came out first, this would have been Maybe an R. And then the second one would have looked that much well, better, would have been an, have it would have been an X. It doesn't matter though. When you have a series, you got to compare it to the original. It's so true on its own way. So true. So we have some good ratings. I'm pretty sure Aaron would speak highly of this movie too, because this this is the kind of movie that tickles his fancy as well. He told me he hated it. Oh bull! Yeah, he, he said it was rated the for why, shit. Yeah, that's why I'm not even getting tonight. on the show. Yeah, he said I can't even get on the show with you, dillheads. I think this is a good movie. <laughs> okay, now I'm convinced because Aaron would call us dillheads. So this is this is great. I'm yeah, I'm convinced. Aaron, you're I mean, a you're what? a bad man, Aaron. You call me a liar. <laughs> you call me a liar. <laughs> you're a bad man, and I'm you're a bad tell. man, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Jamie on you. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning into this episode with us. We've had a good review day today, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's just been very good. So thank you very much again for, for indulging us as well as we go live on Twitch early in the week like this. And then uh, later on, this will be up on YouTube, uh, accessible through our Facebook channel, uh, Misunderstood Our Company, YouTube, Misunderstood Our Company. Like, share, subscribe, hit that little notification and alerts icon so that you can get notified whenever we upload any new content. Follow us on Twitch as well. They cast from the coast because we're doing that now as well. Audio copies of this will be out every week as well on all the major podcasting platforms, including but not limited to iTunes, Google, uh, Spotify, and and, and uh, Amazon Music and all that good shit. Yeah. That's the one that I keep mentioning at the end. We're also on Patreon. Open up your hearts and your wallets and uh, be, the, be the generous person that hands Tim coffee from the outside of the frame. And until next time, really nice. <laughs> until next time, Josh. Might be dumb. But he's still kind of shagadelic in a way. I'm going to tell Aaron you said that about him. Tim! Stay safe and stay spooky. And until next time, keep it creepy, everybody. Good night!